Welcome to another episode of Struggle. Today on Struggle, I interview Amanda Lanner, the CEO of Jellyvision. Amanda discusses what it was like to go from failure to success. This is her story. Amanda, thanks so much for taking the time to sit down and share your struggle story with me. I really appreciate your time, and uh, let's jump into this interview. Happy to be here. Let's do it. Great. My first question is about your background. What did you do before Jellyvision? You know, I was a kid of academics. I had a liberal arts background, which means I graduated from college with no skills, no experience, and no network whatsoever. So I did what a lot of kids in that situation do, I think, which is I went into advertising. I was an East Coast kid who wanted to leave the East Coast, looked across the country. The West Coast was too far. And when you're from the East Coast looking at the Midwest, really it's just Chicago and when you're looking at advertising in Chicago in 1994 it was really Leo Burnett was the standout and so I managed to get a job by January of my senior year of college to join Leo Burnett as a suit in the wonderful world of advertising spent six years there before I landed at Jellyvision. How'd you get started or pulled into Jellyvision? So I had been uh, doing uh, advertising, but in a really non-traditional way. The first three years of my career were selling giant CPG, consumer packaged goods, marketing campaigns, over $100 million a year, making a lot of noise selling traditional goods and services. And then I switched into a new brand and new business development think tank with the Kella Company, where I watched large companies try to innovate, try to bring new product to market, figure out, do we build it or do we do M&A? And I really, after spending two years with a large organization innovating, wanted to go from big to small, from slow to fast, from CPG, you know, consumer packaged goods, to new media. And I wanted to not be an instigator, but rather the least creative person in any room. And uh, I started interviewing just around the time of the dot-com boom, met a guy named Troy Hennikoff, who was then the CEO of Sure Payroll, serial entrepreneur, who's been really important in my life for what it's worth. Uh, but when he couldn't uh, convince me to join Sure Payroll, uh, he introduced me to Jellyvision. Uh, he had been the former uh, director of technology for Jellyvision, introduced me to Jellyvision, and I was there three weeks later. So I was a hire, not a joiner, and my path to Jellyvision was paved by Troy Hennikoff. What did you do at Jellyvision? So I joined um, after having an illustrious career in advertising. I was uh, hired to help out with marketing, to really help treat the incredible properties at Jellyvision at the time, like a traditional brand manager managing relationships and figuring out how to think about CD-ROM and online and console versions, how to sort of manage these media brands holistically. Um, even though I had been VP track at Leo Burnett, I joined simply as marketer. Uh, Jellyvision had not wanted to give me a director title. I thought marketing manager was a little bit of a step down, so let's just come in as marketer. To, to think about these franchises, how to get awareness, how to, how to build an audience, how to make money, how to have partner relationships. And uh, coming in as marketer, I was president about six months later. What was the culture like at Jellyvision at the time? It's an un- unbelievable company. Um, you know, the, the, the lore goes that we rejected um, the late night talk show, ho- show a guy, Seth, um, help me with his last name, Seth. He was on SNL, head writer there. That guy uh, applied for a job and was rejected. And we just had an unbelievably hilarious 
talented crew making unbelievably successful and hilarious and best-selling games. So some of our writers went on to write for the Colbert Report and The Daily Show um, and are now doing other awesome things. But it was smart, smart, hilarious people making stuff that amused each other and also making a lot of money because all the properties were best-selling. Uh, as well. That's what I, that's what I walked into. Sort of the, the gravy days, the, the, the highlight of You Don't Know Jack and, and the gaming days of Jellyvision. So how long were you there for? So I've been at Jellyvision for 15 years. Uh, and, and the gaming days really lasted about a year after I joined. An awful lot happened to change the thriving gaming company uh, pretty quickly. As soon as I became president, I got the P&L. And I saw really a business that was underneath the hood going off a cliff. Um, a lot of things were uh, conspiring against us, um, and I call it kind of like the trifecta of hurt happened uh, in late 2000, 2001. The first thing is that the CD-ROM market, our bread and butter at the time, died. We played a decent role in helping it die and that we worked on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, which was put into Cheerios boxes, really educating the world that there was no value in CD-ROM prices. So the, the typical price point went from $20 to $10 to $5, like that. And yes, we made royalties, but you can't support our type of content at a $5 price point. The second thing that happened is that console market went through a transition. It went to the new Xbox, PlayStation 1, Dreamcast, and that's great. But when that happens, game companies want to invest in properties that really show off the core technology and not so much family mass market games. So we knew the market would come back, but only two to three years down the road. And all the game content was going online, but there were no business models. Nobody actually made money online in 2000, 2001. And then the final sort of wave of hurt was that the dot-com bubble burst and you couldn't raise money to try to bridge in between people going online and people making money online. Uh, so about about a year after I joined the company and took over as president, we actually went through the process of, for a while at least, shutting down the company and putting it on hiatus. How'd you go in as a marketer and then transition into a president? You know, I think that, you know, as I was a hirer, you know, a hired person, uh, not a joiner. And I think that I was brought in with the intent of the, the president, the woman who hired me. I think she was ready to do something else. And I think I was... Uh, potentially uh, groomed before before I knew it. But I think like most awesome people uh, that I've watched, you just put your head down and try to be helpful. You put your head down and try to do good work. And I'm lucky enough to only have worked for nice people who appreciate, you know, hard work and effort um, and integrity and those things. And it was just sort of right time, right place. Awesome people who gave me a shot and I took it. Tell me about more about the... Um problem that you mm-hmm. you kind of came into yeah how'd that feel like what was going through your head when you saw that you know there's no way to talk about you know a business going off the cliff other than to say how awful it actually was um you feel real pressure as the business head of a company where you ask people to work really hard you point them in a certain direction and your your sort of quid pro quo is i'm going to take care of you. I'm going to make sure that we're viable, that we can pay our bills, including your salary. For your, you know, exchange of talent, we're going to we're going to pay your salary and pay the bills. And it was really frustrating when you could see such talent and such output, but you couldn't make the business models work. It was it was frustrating and humbling and scary and disappointing to be at a business where you had all the belief in the world and the talent, 
but you couldn't successfully, I couldn't successfully monetize it. And we had to go through uh, layoffs. Now, there's a silver lining, which I think is important to the Jellyvision story, and that we did it really proactively. We did it really transparently. We did it with as much grace and kindness as we could, which allowed us to keep a skeleton crew alive that then became not the Jellyvision Inc. company, but the Jellyvision Lab company. Uh, we were able to eventually hire back some of the people that we had had to part ways with because of financial duress. And even later, Jellyvision Inc., the company that went on hiatus, came back and is now killing it as Jackbox Games. So by being proactive and dealing with an unhappy reality, we managed to not completely go out of business forever the way other companies did. We were able to have a chance, sort of like the phoenix rising from the ashes. But you know, doing scenarios and making spreadsheets about the order in which you think you need to lay off people, like it leaves a mark. It's really, it's as palpable of a failure as a business person can have. Like you sometimes lose a deal. You sometimes, you know, an employee who's valued and adored, you know, resigns and wants to move on. You have a lot of like no's in life, but none are as profound as actually having a company decide it needs to shut down. And that's, you know, before I was 30, I had that really unique and formative experience. Wow. That's, uh, that's pretty intense. Yeah. And, and again, it was with the best people possible, the most gracious, the most understanding, the most creative people possible. Uh, and it really, it shows when the chips are down, that's when grace comes out and people, people were awesome and Harry, the founder was awesome. And we really tried to take care of each other when it seemed like the world was on fire. I mean, when we were going through layoffs, it was the dot-com bubble bursting. It was 9-11. You know, they were universally tough times and, and people just acted with such grace uh, and, and such kindness and such respect for at least we tried. Um, so just, it's a lesson to like stick with great people. So I've, I've heard the story already, but tell me about how you fired yourself. So that, that is a part, everybody loves that part of the story. And it's always very interesting when you actually have to sit down and you write a list of who's going to be laid off and you include yourself in that list. But that was actually the easiest layoff in the world. I was the business leader of a company that didn't work. And it's very easy to lay yourself off. It's a lot harder to lay off people who are starting families or were really talented uh, but I absolutely had to put myself on almost every list I created. I was one of the people for sure to go. And so uh, I jokingly said I wrote a letter to Amanda from Amanda because my name was, you know, signing most of the severance letters and, and parting ways agreements. But in actuality, um, a general counsel wrote mine and I wrote his and we sort of like wrote them and then passed them and then signed them and like high fived in a really sad sort of way. Uh, but absolutely, uh, in every scenario of planning, I realized that part of part of the inability to make it work was my inability to continue on at Jellyvision. What'd you do after? Did you take time off? Yeah, I did. I took time off. So my last day was in August two thousand one, right before nine eleven. Um, I went to Europe, uh, spent some time traveling around, and then I came back and I hung out with my sister in San Francisco, where really everyone wasn't working and. Uh, I mean, to the point where it's bizarre. Every coffee shop, every restaurant was full all the time. You're kind of like, does, does anyone work? And it seemed like the answer in San Francisco was no, not right now. Nobody's working. Uh, and it gave a little perspective. We were not the only company to get caught up in these massive technology shifts. We were not the only company to be impacted by, by the bubble bursting. And we were not the only company to have to go through layoffs. And just kind of understanding the universality in certain respects for tech companies at the time. It was very helpful perspective. Uh, and then the founder of the company, Harry Gottlieb, pulled off a miracle, which he's 
prone to do. He's kind of a miracle worker. He raised a Series A in 2001 and called me late in the year when I thought I would never work again as a failed president of a failed business. Uh, and he said, come back and help out with the next company, the Jellyvision Lab Inc. Not Jellyvision Inc., but the Jellyvision Lab Inc. And I agreed and I rejoined on January 1, 2002. So you kept in contact with previous people from the company? Absolutely. So was Harry the only person left in the company? No, there was a skeleton crew of somewhere between 12 to 14 people that we were able to keep on because we had really been very proactive and managed to leave a little bit of a nest egg to keep them running as Harry tried to raise a Series A. They were moved out of Jellyvision Link into the Jellyvision Lab, which then he raised around, and I joined the Jellyvision Lab. So not it didn't go from, you know, 70 down to zero went from 70 down to 14 which trust me it feels just as bad it's really it's not it's not pleasant to do you may have already answered this but what's the uh worst part about being a ceo man what's the worst part about being a ceo you know i guess it comes down to uh you feel responsibility for everything and yet you can't fix everything yourself i mean i really do go to sleep at night and think about employees who are counting on me and I feel like they should be like they do their part and I need to do mine which is create a place where they can have a wonderful and successful career Uh, and you lose your ability to actually be personally impactful everywhere I'm not saying that I could save the day but I would certainly want to try and you you just can't as you get to a certain size and scale so you have a lot of a lot of thoughts and a lot of worries but then you're putting the hands increasingly in other people's business and you have to just trust that they're going to be able to be successful. And thank goodness the people at Jelly Vision really are. The, the leadership team is crushing it. The managers are crushing it. The individual contributors are crushing it. And then I kind of get to bask in their glow, which is the best part about being CEO is that you really get to share in the victories of everybody you work with. And boy, do I work with some awesome, lovely, talented, super kind, humble people. So that's the best part of being That's the CEO. best part. I just adore my coworkers. I really do. That's They're great. really just super pleasant, brilliant people. Was the guidelines already in place for the new company or? I don't know if the guidelines were in place, um, but the mission was. And the mission was to go from the virtual game show hosts of the Jellyvision Inc. company to virtual advisors the Jellyvision Lab, so guidance counselors, salespeople, teachers, you name it, really trying to go not to where people are being entertained, but to where people are confused and troubled and worried and helping them walk through complicated and boring but important topics online and make really smart decisions with an automated approach to advice, sort of a virtual advisor approach to advice online. So we had two lessons that we had learned from our gaming days and, and what worked. One is the value of owning IP, that recurring scalable revenue is far better than services work of selling what you do. If you can rent out what you do, it is superior to selling what you do. And the second thing we learned is that great editorial perspective, a voice, a brand, tone, wit can turn a commodity into a mega franchise. So brand was really important in everything we did and everything we do, not just in the products we make, but how we sell them, how we service them, how we recruit, how we greet you at the front door. Those, the, that sense of, of knowing the importance of brand and voice are very, you know, throughout Jellyvision. But as galvanized as we were, as ready as we were, the perspective that we had, the, the, the gratitude of still you know, having a chance to fight another day, we started the company and then more or less went sideways for about seven years. 
never getting traction, but managing always to just be successful enough to not run out of money while we built our tools, while we improved our craft, while we did a lot of you know, inventive, innovative things, we didn't quite scale until we came up with, with a platform called Alex. Always did, you know, really tried to take care of our customers, really tried to solve their problems, really tried to treat them with charm and respect. But the scale of the business didn't happen until Alex. And Alex isn't the first time we tried to productize what we do. It's simply the first time we were successful at it. So going back to Jelly Vision V1, yep. did you guys have fancy offices? What was what was the culture like at Jelly Vision 1? So interestingly, Jelly Vision 1 and Jelly Vision 2 shared the same office. It's, it's, uh, it's at 848 West Eastman. It didn't change. And many aspects of the culture didn't change the 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 underpinning of like treat each other with kindness and respect be open and honest and kind and if you do that if you act like adults who are open and honest and kind and respectful on that you can ladder a lot of things like irreverent humor and jokes and 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 fun things at work and a lot of trust in your employees so that they in turn get a lot of freedom and responsibility both freedom and responsibility the underpinning of the culture stayed very much the same, in no small part because the original people were very much the same. The skeleton crew that went over was sort of the embodiment of Jelly Vision 1 uh, values. Now, has the company changed a little bit over the last five years? For sure. We're not as irreverent as a small gaming company, but the values of kindness, respect, openness, trust, they're all they are all really still in there. And I think a lot of it comes down to the founder, Harry Gottlieb. What's best about Jelly Vision today is still what's best about Harry as a person. So whenever I'm talking to startups, uh, I always say to the founders, put your best foot forward because it matters. We have hundreds of employees. We're talking, you know, 10, 15 years later. It's still what's best about Jelly Vision. And it's best about our people and the way we, we operate together as a collective. So you survived for seven years at a normal standstill. Did you change anything in the office? Did... Did you buy fancy new chairs once you started growing? No, no. We've always been, I don't want to use the word cheap because I believe we, I think we invest in people, but always very scrappy, very humble. Face planning, you know, as a business teaches you that, that success is fleeting and you need to be really responsible. So we are, we are, we sort of think of ourselves as depression era babies, having been there, having lived through that. We'll never take a customer or revenue for granted. Uh, we'll never have the swankiest offices. Never. We have one of the most impressive client rosters. I feel so lucky when I look at our logos and really fortunate to be working with them. But that doesn't mean we're ever going to turn around and have like, you know, prime real estate and air on chairs. It's just not going to happen, I think, at Jelly Vision. Who do you look up to today and who do you go to for advice? Well, one of my things about Chicago is I really feel that my peers who are CEOs of, of bigger and better companies than Jelly Vision, they root for each other's success. So I am a constant student. I am, I am nothing if not first a student trying to learn, trying to get better. And there are so many companies that I deeply respect and look to. I mean, I think what Al is doing with Avant, one of the fastest growing companies, revenue, not just fundraising, but revenue in the history of Jelly Vision. How did he do it? Sean at Centro. What a leader. Matt at uh, Viewpoint, what a leader. Or Power Reviews now. 
I think the, the landscape is scattered with men and women that I constantly am reading about, constantly taking out for drinks or lunch to try to get their advice, and they're incredibly, incredibly helpful. And then you have um, authors. I really like Dan Pink and the way he thinks about what motivates people. Um, and I, I think that there's so many accessible CEOs in Chicago who are generous and actually really want you to do well. Um, and I am the fortunate beneficiary of their advice and perspective. How much time do you spend on a daily basis at Jellybean? Do you work a normal nine to five? What's what's life like? No, I think I'm like any CEO of a high growth tech company. It's not just my job; it's also my hobby. It's also my passion, and so it gets it gets sort of mind share accordingly. Um, I don't. Uh, in, in terms of hours, it's not is not as important to me like clock the schedule. But I think you know finding finding balance for both you know family and and work family, if you will, is is always a struggle. There are never enough hours in the day, but I think I have a pretty good perspective about it. My kids are awesome, and they're deeply loved, and they they know it, and I have so many chances to show them what it's like to be a grown woman who is deeply passionate about work. They don't have to do what I do, but they can, and I think just showing them you know, how, how fulfilled you can be when you're passionate about something and you pursue it like a nice it's a nice interesting thing about me as their mom and I think you know every every mom makes her own peace with the type of mother that they are and I just I feel really really lucky that I can have a career that is as interesting as it is and these kids and my husband my family who are everything it's kind of I think set your expectations low just be like I'm gonna do the best I can but then man I've just lead I've led a, a lucky life I don't know how else to frame it I've just led a lucky life it's a great perspective. A lot of entrepreneurs start a business or, or go into a business at an early level and they have a difficult time managing themselves. What advice would you give them? So I don't mean to seem negative, but I just want to be honest. Business may get easier when you're not worried about running out of money every week or every month, but it never gets easy. So easier, but not easy. There are challenges of how do you sustain growth how do you compound growth how do you how do you keep it going when you have farther to fall you have more customers that you don't want to disappoint more employees that you feel an obligation to sort of more pressure as you grow and with every sort of stage there's always one right behind it so my advice to entrepreneurs falls in the following bucket pace yourself right celebrate milestones even when they're not particularly meaningful because you need to sort of be aware of the journey Um, surround yourself with the best people you can it's always more important who you're working with to me than what you're working on and always take care of your customers if you take care of customers I do believe the the revenue and and stability follow and maintain a sense of humor I like to talk about it not to say we're in a rocket ship, right? We're not Rays. We're Jelly Vision. We're different, different kind of company. But you always think about like the rocket ships. It's something that's like the life of a startup. Oh, it's so cool. Everyone wants to come watch the rocket take off because there's a chance that it totally blows up. But there's also a chance it gets to the moon. And everybody always thinks about like the external perspective. Does the company make it? Does it go down in flames? What's the story? But what you forget is what it must feel like to be an astronaut inside the shuttle. You are strapped on your back facing up to the sky. And you have a nuclear-sized explosion happening, what, 100 feet behind your back? And then the world shakes, it shakes, it shakes. And it's like from the inside, the life of an astronaut feels kind of scary. 
And I think that it's really meaningful for, for entrepreneurs. A lot of us don't sleep. <laughs> you know, a lot of us are constantly on edge and, you know, just the worry and the hustle. So you, you do have to pace yourself because it's not the easy life. I happen to believe there are no easy lives anymore. There is no entitlement. There's no sure thing. You've got to work and hustle um, to have a good life. But I, I do think we should always pace ourselves and, and, and have a beer together and let our hair down because it is not for the faint of heart. And that's why when you make it, it's just so exciting. You know, when you have success, it is just so exciting. What was that first client that scaled you? You know, I have to give a lot of credit to Andy Rosa at Comcast. I repeatedly say his name. I was asked recently by John Pletz, what's the secret to your success? And I said, Andy Rosa. But really, as a, as a startup, having a very large company who acts as a very vocal reference, it is game changing. A few companies want to be first, but you don't always know who and where they are. Andy Rosa saying Comcast went first. We bore the risk. It worked out beautifully. Let me tell you about this company. Let me mitigate risk. Was better marketing than anyone at Jellyvision could do at that point to create credibility. The team there, Melissa Doolin, these guys did tons of reference calls on our behalf. They they created trust as our customer for other potential customers and then it started to build upon itself but I really I really can say big companies if you are a first mover you're not just a first mover you're a patron a patron saint for innovation and it, it means more than you realize so many companies are so afraid of going on record but it's really it unlocks innovation jellyvision now has the best selling decision support platform in the marketplace around helping people make better decisions around insurance and financial wellness uh, we wouldn't have gotten there without Comcast, and yet we've saved, I probably say, hundreds of millions of dollars for companies and employees alike at this point, and that's thanks in part to Comcast being a referenceable customer, being a leader and an innovator and a vocal sp- a spokesperson. For sure, it helped our business, and it also helped, we believe, many others, our, our, our customers. Throughout this entire process from start to finish, what do you think the, the biggest struggle was? for yourself or your business? I think in business, one of the things that anyone would need, and I don't know if this is the perfect answer, but it's just the advice that comes to my mind, which is finding someone who will love you, but will also tell you the truth. It's really hard early on as you're trying to do business development, trying to figure out what's repeatable, trying to figure out where market pain and your unique solution capabilities sort of come together and create an opportunity for a marketplace. It's the early adopters, the people who come first and say, you're almost there, what you need to do is this, or you need to sell in this way, or you need to think about the market in this way. Um, Finding people who love you, truly root for you, truly root for you, but will absolutely not pull punches and will tell you what you need to know. Critical to find that in early customers, early employees, early advisors, Um, because sometimes hearing nothing is so much worse than a no. And, and, and you get there a lot faster if you're, getting, if you're getting no with detail. So what advice would you give to entrepreneurs who are starting off as a first bit of startup advice? Don't spend too long not talking to customers. I think we always want to build the MVP. We always want to tinker ourselves. But having people who are truly customer-facing, really not just saying, tell me what I want to hear, can we get to a yes, but what are you worried about? What are you thinking about? What other companies are you looking at? The more you better understand the truth for a customer, the more likely you are to actually create something that solves problems, that adds value. Um, So you need a lot of people in the company to be truly, genuinely 
customer-facing, asking questions, students of the industry, students of competitors, students of history, students of people uh, out there in the marketplace, bringing that information and that context to everyone in the organization um, versus just sitting in your garage making an MVP. I know there are a lot of stories of people sitting in their garage building their MVP, but I think a way to reduce risk of failure is to truly, truly be surveying the market at all times. What are your next plans? Six months, one month, a year? So from a short-term perspective, we really think about how do we grow without sucking? And the answer comes from, you know, you, you continue to hold people accountable in a culture. You continue to trust first and expect trust second. You don't have to earn it at Jelly Vision. You walk in and you have it, and then we you know, wait for a reason to not trust people. And if we don't trust people, we don't write policies telling them how to behave. We remove the people that we don't trust. Um, we are really trying to be careful about focus. We have become very, very precious about our time because we're in a really unique stage where we can build anything, but we can't build everything. And I think the, the next sort of the, the proper journey for us is to always be answering the question as best we can, what do we build next? What do we do next? Making the right bets and the right choices for expansion so we don't muddy our value proposition. We don't expand beyond the point of value. We don't start doing too much to have growth at the expense of our customers or our employees or our product itself, uh, yet still do more better. Still do more better, more better, more better, more comma, better, um, but in a focused way. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to sit Absolute down. Absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. We look forward to seeing where you take Jellyvision. You and me both. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>